Hey, you're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. Today, we're going to talk about critical race theory. This is such an important topic. We did a whole new season for it. Let's get started. Season three, Brad. Episode one. Okay, let's do it. Are we okay with that? Yeah, why not? It's been a little while, so we're back at it. Yeah. We, that was a long teaser, though, because we teased another episode, and then I had people asking me, hey, where's that yeah. Where's that new uh, critical race theory episode? Yeah. Here um, it is. Here it is. This is going to be it. We're talking about CRT, critical race theory, um, but I feel like we should probably talk a little bit about why... It's been so Well, you've long. been busy. You've lo- I'm surprised you have your voice back. You've lost your voice a couple of different yeah. times. Uh, camp twice, um, and then a bunch of people visiting in between. One was a surprise, didn't know they were coming. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm i glad that the summer... You've been preaching, too? I have been preaching. Like preaching from the pulpit, like real, real like- <laughs> big boy preaching. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Really starting to make that step up from youth ministry. Uh, right. I don't believe any of that, by the way. Any of you youth ministers listening, it's not a step up into pulpit preaching. It's a sideways it, well, step. It's a step up. It is a, literally, it's a step up. It's a couple steps up. Fair. Literally. I mean, I don't have, I don't have really, my excuses are not that good. I've, you know, been traveling some with my youngest son, mm-hmm. national bowling tournaments. Yeah, he's the things man. Things like that. He's so good. He's He is good. It's incredible. How, and he hasn't even been playing for that long, right? No, like, it's like three years. See, yeah. that's nuts. Okay, this kid like consistently bowls in the 200s. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. I'm Well I mean, into the 200s. Well into the... <laughs> like, okay, for instance, we're casually playing. It's like, uh, it's like me... Um, Caleb is his name. I guess it's too late. If sure, I said too it. late. Caleb is his name. Yeah. Um, and like some other kids from the youth group. And we're all just like messing around, having a good time. And we go bowling. And like I said, we're all joking around. And he bowled like a 245, like jokingly. Right. Just screwing around. Yeah. And I mean. <laughs> well, they were on their way to they were on their way to Indianapolis for this tournament. And they just stopped in West Virginia because he hadn't bowled in West Virginia before. Just like yeah. on the way up. Right. And he bowled like a 289. Oh. So he missed one pin. Yeah. <laughs> and so he had all the people in the bowling alley, like the owner coming up and surrounding him and stuff. So he's yeah. he's staging up for sponsorships too, Dude. Roman. You're going to have to give him all sorts of Absolutely. pickleball sponsorship <laughs> advice. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you where to sign, Caleb. Let me know. Um, but yeah, so it's been a great summer. Um, I'm glad... I'll be honest, I'm, I'm glad that it's starting to wrap up, that kids are starting to get back into school, mainly because it just, it allows for a more normal schedule, a yeah. more, a more more time to like really kind of plan things out in advance so that everybody can be there, we can have a good time, um, but actually also so that we can do more of these, so yes. that life isn't, and let, I'll be honest, it's, um, I'm the reason for the most part why we haven't had episodes recently. It's not Brad. Brad likes to not make me feel so bad about it, but it's really been me. Um, no, I, I own just as much of this as you do. It's been, it's been a, it's been a busy summer and obviously, I don't know, things are starting to get a little bit more crazy with the virus and the, uh, Delta variant, but yeah. 
um, you know, it's been a time where at least, you know, some travel's been able to go mm-hmm. on. So that's been nice. But, you know, we had, we threw this out here last time, this topic. And so this, that was several, several weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's been maybe because, honestly, maybe because of COVID, because the COVID spike is like 50% higher than it was a month ago. Yeah. There's been a lot of turn to that in the news. But I, I read something, uh, Roman, that said that in, you know, critical race theory has, we'll, we'll probably, you know, we'll talk about it, a lot of aspects of it, but it has been around for 40 years. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. as old as I am. Yeah. But um, in the past, tw- I read something that said in the past 20 years within popular journalism, uh, the term showed up something like, a thousand times or mm. twelve hundred times over a twenty-year period, yeah. and in the past six months, it showed up over six thousand times wow. in like in in national uh, newspapers and in in, uh, in in articles. So this is something that not only is being talked about in popular culture, but this is also a situation where you have, for instance, I think it was the five different presidents from Southern Baptist. Uh, seminaries band together and issue a statement that said that critical race theory was antithetical to the, you know, at least the, the Baptist brand of, of Christian faith and mm-hmm. evangelicalism. So there, this is something where, because not just because it's being talked about, but because it, it is now uh, intersecting with Christianity, I thought, hey, why don't we have a discussion? We've talked about a lot of other, I think, difficult issues. Yeah. Um, again, you know, our our initial disclaimer is that we're just two white guys trying to uh, engage on really tough topics that include topics like race. So, uh, you know, we just do the best we can, but we sort of, uh, from the outset, acknowledge our our limited perspectives. Um, but I thought it'd be an important thing to talk about. Yeah, I think that it's something that is that is necessary because I mean, just like you said, it's 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 a part of what's being talked about outside of um, church, I guess. Um, and I'm I'm a fan of especially with with youth of having those conversations here, um, and it's here as in like together with a, other Christians, right, in a church right. community setting, not not necessarily to um, push one way or the other, but but to hopefully let them know that this is a comfortable place to be comfortable. Yeah, and to discuss things that are actually happening. And so I yeah. I, I also I actually thought this would be interesting discussion to have because it could be just an example of how we can actually talk about relevant uh, social happenings mm-hmm. and and engage in topics that people are talking about yeah and and really talk about well how do you do that from a christian perspective like how, how does that again what is the intersection between that and our faith how do we do that because i, I really don't like the idea that you walk into the church and it's just like okay let's use the same church language and and study the same books and say the same things and hear the same sermons about the same topics and mm-hmm. then you leave and then you've got this life that's just blown wide open with all of these things that you actually have to deal with in your everyday life that guess what you didn't discuss any of that at church 
because you just went to church and played church. Yeah. So I think that's what you're saying, especially with young people. Mm-hmm. If we're going to have any shot of of instilling a faith that's going to continue on for young people, you want them to be able to integrate 100% of their lives into their theology, into their faith. Like it all needs to work together somehow. Yeah, no, I, I agree absolutely. I mean, I think that um, your your Christian walk should encompass everything about what you're doing and what you're talking about. And so to be able to do that, it needs to be in everything that you're doing. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I, if, if that can be the lens in which you view things, um, that is how, well, I'm, I'm assuming, how you're going to live life, which is the goal, right? Um, and you'll be consistent. Could, yeah, you'll be absolute, consistent. Absolutely. The, 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 the person who meets you here will meet you somewhere else and you'll be the same person. Right. Um, and so, so what, um, sorry, I, did, I don't know if I, I no, cut you off. Go ahead. I, I no, just do your thing. wanted to sort of hear what, you know, I've got thoughts about this just because, you know, critical race theory started, you know, within, within law school context, within legal context. So I, I have a bunch of thoughts about this, but I'm, interested to hear sort of what your take is as somebody who you know didn't go through critical legal training right. but just has been sort of experiencing hearing these terms and maybe seeing it play out seeing some of these debates uh, where mm-hmm. educators or you, you have um, I mean just so everybody knows the context here I mean you had President Trump last year you know issue an executive order that said in the military for instance um, what it was trying to get at is that it was trying to ban the teaching of any critical race theory. Right. And then you had, you know, President Biden gets elected very first day. Boom. He reverses that executive order. But then you've also had school districts and states. I think there's something like 10 states right now that have tried to ban the teaching of critical race theory. There's t- maybe 26 states that are considering it, or at least that there have been bills that have been proposed so, I mean, that's some of the, just to give you a flavor of what's out there, but I, I wanted to sort of get your reaction to that or, or what, um, you know, what you've seen out there, Roman. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to have like this conversation or at least hear several conversations um, about the idea of critical race theory and whether or not it should be banned or not be banned or whether or not it's even truth or whether it's just a way to make white people look terrible or whether it's just a way for, um, you know, minorities to just gain a bunch of ground for free. I mean, it's, the arguments are kind of, and it's, it's basically you're on one side or the other. Um, it seems to be very little middle ground in the idea of, in, in, at least in, in, in the, the conversations about CRT that I've been a part of or that I've heard, um, and so, uh, if I'm if I'm honest, I have, um, as a minister, it is difficult to throw yourselves into com- throw yourself into conversations like this because it forces you into a side. Yeah. And 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 on either and if you're on one side or the other, you get rejected or you reject others. And then that kind of falls into the idea of um, or a, a, a lack of, you know, making an attempt to, to keep peace, if at all possible. Well, just relate. I think what you're referring to is you have relationships with people 
And so when it's a topic that is this divisive where people have lined up on either side yeah. of, an, of an issue or, or even just buzzwords, we haven't even talked about what critical race theory is yet, we will, but just people line up on both sides of a concept that once you even start engaging in that with that concept, you run the risk of alienating perhaps right. one or the other side, or maybe both, mm -hmm. I don't know. And when you do that, maybe you're injuring the relationship or doing some damage there where, where maybe you lose the ability to connect with that person. Yeah. And that's, and so I'm not saying that I don't have, that I'm not going to have my own opinion. I'm not saying that like, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys whether I feel one way or the other, but I, I, I will say that it is, it is way more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, because I'm a, I'm a pretty opinionated guy. Um, and I'm pretty, pretty good at being blunt, um, and maybe overly honest, but I, I, I do struggle with, you know, at, at times because people feel so strongly Mm -hmm. about this topic um and just any actually really anything that has to do with race at, at yes. this at this moment and at this at this moment in time people are are they have such strong feelings and connections and i'm not saying that that's bad but i i at times i'll be honest i i don't know what to do because if i say something i if i have an opinion I alienate somebody like you were saying. And if I don't say anything, I'm not doing enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that reminds me, you know, I've been been reading and listening to um, um, Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote this book on, on how to be a uh, non-racist, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this idea that, you know, simply sitting back as a white person and doing your dead level best not to be racist, yeah. not to act in racist ways or, or even I guess harbor racist thoughts is essentially not enough. Yeah, it's not right. So there's that idea. And I think even that concept probably makes a lot of people uncomfortable, a lot of white people uncomfortable. The idea that, wait, it's not enough to not be racist. Like I have to do more. Um, which, you know, that goes beyond racism. That goes into a lot of other topics too, where yeah. just the idea that you, you're not doing enough um, or, or you must do more to sort of be okay. Well, let me maybe back up a little bit and give, and look, there are people way smarter than I do with PhDs and, and who are published and um, have terminal degrees and all that, that could talk circles around me in critical race theory. I do think that, you know, because I have a formal legal education and have and understand sort of the beginnings of critical race theory, like I said, it started really at Harvard Law School uh, with a uh, a professor, uh, Professor Bell, um, who ended up resigning slash I think sort of getting kicked out of Harvard Law School because he was teaching uh, these theories, but he had a following there of uh, of African American students and and other students. Um, who, what they were really trying to do, and I'll try to make this as simplistic as possible, is they were trying to uh, examine and assess systematic racism. Really, they were confined to looking within America, but in American legal structures. Mm -hmm. and, and this was a way of looking at 
society, a way at looking at, like I said, societal structures and legal structures to find out, uh, you know, whether you sort of had, um, you know, racist, not just racist ideas, and, and but these outcomes and inputs and outcomes that uh, that created wild disparities in the legal system. And, and so they wanted to examine those things and they were examining examining them from a particular point of view um, but but a critical not just critical race um, not, not just CRT critical race theory but uh, critical theory you know goes back like another 50 years before that yeah. and and does have some some Marxist origin where, you know, there, there's criticism of, of different social structures and who they benefit. It's looking at structures right. and seeing who has benefit, benefited. Okay, pause with that because mm -hmm. I don't want to, like I said, we could go way, way, way down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But I want to come back to this idea of, all right, how do you approach anything like this as a Christian? Yeah. And I think a starting point needs to be that Christians must, must, must be on the side of truth. Absolutely. Okay? So like anytime a, a Christian or, or somebody with a, with a Christian worldview, so just a, a Christ-following worldview, somebody who's a believer in God and a, and a follower of Jesus, there would be no reason for us ever to um, deny truth, mm -hmm. even if that truth doesn't necessarily come from you know, somebody who's directly within our tribe. Right. Like if it's true, it's always true. Yeah. Always, 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 no matter who's saying it. Yep. So I think that any, any situation where we would have a knee-jerk reaction to something because it has a certain label that might initially make us uncomfortable, if there is underlying truth, I think as Christians we should be willing, especially because of the teachings on 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 love for neighbor, enemy love, yeah. we should hopefully be willing to pause and take a breath and actually examine, you know, whatever is being mm -hmm. put in front of us to to see whether there is truth. Absolutely. And and man, I, I love that because I I mean not to not to be punny or whatever or anything, but like it rings true all the time. It is it is it is a are you and, and it's something that people don't really want to hear often is are you actually seeking the truth? Yeah. Or are you just seeking what makes you feel good or comfortable in the moment? Yes. And nobody, for the most part, people don't want to hear that because we instinctually are looking for what makes us comfortable. We instinct instinctually try to find a space that we that we enjoy being in and. For the most part, people don't enjoy being wrong about something, especially something that they have <clears throat> dwelled in or have been a part of for a long time. You know, I, you know, we talk about, I mean, and the South, well, I'm going to talk about the South just in general because I was born in Alabama. And so I have family that lives there still. Um, you know, you can, uh, one of the things that they, that they, one of the expressions they used frequently is oh well, he's just a good old boy mm -hmm. and um and so one of the things i'm from alabama right and so um you know i've been a part of the of of, of churches in alabama and one of the things that they 
really enjoy sticking to is is traditions that aren't even necessarily quote like whatever church that they whatever denomination they go to is like that denomination tradition it's really just whatever they have done as a community whatever that whatever, whatever that, that, church, that is it's, that it's, tribe has done you know and, and it's it's i and it's i believe these things or we do these things because my dad did it and my, pappy, dead, my yeah. pappy's pappy mm-hmm. and, and it goes pappy's and goes pappy's and pappy. goes and, and, and exactly. And like, and people don't want to let that go because it's familiar. And because it, in some ways it would now, now we're, we're starting to talk about sort of family dynamics, but what you would be doing is it would be disrespectful. Yeah, it would you be. Know, to, to dad, to granddad, to grandma, to great grandma, to a long line of, of people if you took things in a different direction. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you're right. We have those those biases that that come through. Um, so anyway, I, I guess maybe to dig into just a couple of details, and this is from my perspective. So now we're gonna maybe get in a little bit more to my opinion. In my opinion, I'll just I I guess let me start sort of at the end. I actually think that that dialogue like this and dialogue, you know, whether it started by critical race theory or whether it's any examination of these issues, I believe it's incredibly helpful mm-hmm. because it gives us a platform to talk about, to talk about uh, race, to talk about racism, but to talk about systematic injustice and inequality, which I believe is something that, Jesus would care about. You know, we say oh, like yeah. what, you know, what would Jesus what your bracelet what would Jesus, what would, Jesus WWG, what would Jesus do? Um, you know, what would Jesus think? What would concern Jesus? What would what would dis what would be disruptive to Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you have systematic inequality, systematic racism, when you have institutions that have that that just spit out these terrifically disparate outcomes that it is worth asking the question what's happening here like what is the truth that's underlying what the reality that we see in our world and so if you go back in time there's there's these examples that quite frankly i wasn't taught in in a in a private school setting in a public school setting i wasn't taught when i was growing up you know i wasn't taught about uh, redlining um, in yeah. in Chicago and in other areas. I, I wasn't taught about how that worked to essentially, um, if not if not directly, indirectly cause African Americans not to be able to have home ownership. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In, in the in the 1930s and, and after. Um, uh, the 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 Tulsa Oklahoma Black Wall Street and the the burning of but we just had the hundred year anniversary. Yeah, I, I mean, even knowing about Black Wall Street, I mean, I've been talking to African Americans and listening to different, uh, you know, professors talk about this. Just some of these stories of things that have happened over time to, uh, you know, particularly talking about the African American community in our country. Um, these are stories that haven't even been been told number one but number two as they've been told you you start to think about well what are the outcomes of, of some of these things that happen but it's not people are like oh well you're going back to the 1930s or you're going back to 1920s how about this virginia we talked didn't we joke about marijuana we a did few weeks ago we did okay. yes so in in virginia marijuana is legalized as of uh july 1st yeah did you remember to water your plants today 
I'm just, I'm just kidding. I actually bro. already used all of it. I don't have anything to water. Six plants per person. I got to get more seeds. So, but in Virginia, which is really weird right now, by the way, which you can smoke marijuana, but you can't buy it. You can't know, sell it. I know. You can't get, I don't know. But anyway, here's the reason, the reason why, the reason why that they legalized marijuana is that they decriminalized it uh, a year or two ago. And when they decriminalized, the reason they did it is because they were having these wildly disparate outcomes where all these African-American and, and people of color were, were being arrested for marijuana possession. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Whenever they actually um, did analysis, they found out people don't smoke any more marijuana if they're black or if they're white or if right. they're Hispanic. Everybody is essentially smoking marijuana at the same level. So they were like, okay, well, let's decriminalize it. Well, guess what? They decriminalized it. And even after they did so, if you were African-American, you are four times more likely to be arrested for possession of marijuana, even right. with it being de- decriminalized so that it's just a ticket. So they ultimately decided that they were going to legalize it because the way the system the way the system works is that African-Americans, even though they comprised, um, I think, only 20% of the population in Virginia, they were more than 50% of the people who were arrested when they're smoking it at the same rate as their white counterparts. Right. So that's just an example of something that's like right here, right now, 2021, where you see something, there's something systematic that's going on where you see a wildly different outcome for non-white people as as white people. So I just thought I'd throw out a couple of those examples of I think what one thing that, at least one positive thing that critical race theory can do is it can give um, language and it can uh, provide analytical tools to assess the impact of some of these things that have gone on historically from slavery to segregation to Jim Crow up to the modern time in in legal systems and penalties for like cocaine versus crack cocaine, things like that. Right. Uh, It gives us those tools. um, But, but also it, it, it starts the, the conversation. Okay. That's, that's a lot of me talking, but I just wanted to throw out a couple of those examples. Well, I, I think that it's, I mean, it's, that's, those are conversations that need to be happening. I mean, those are things that we need to be talking about. I, um, not, it's not necessarily the same conversation, but it is a conversation that I had at camp actually maybe four days ago. And, um, this one may be, I don't know, striking to some, but I was, <clears throat> talking to a there was a high schooler and I think um, he's either still in college or is about to be out of college um, and I said all right um, and 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 they are both black and I said hey I have a question and um, I want to know the idea or thoughts on the use of the n-word from white people <clears throat> excuse me now the reason I asked this question one is because I want to know but then also i i think those are kinds of conversations that they have an opinion on and then Mm -hmm. from there it creates and like i can i can react to that opinion from what they have to say and and then we were able to like move forward yeah um through into things that i that are that are deeper like critical race theory or even even things that that are either they even have a deeper meaning to them and so anyway i asked the question um and both of them said um hey we don't actually really care that much 
Um, we say it all the time to each other. Um, now we know that it was, you know, originally used as a derogatory remark. And, um, however, um, we know you and we know that if, you know, we're playing basketball and you were just saying it like we're friends, then we wouldn't really care. Now, if we thought that at any point you were using it as a negative remark, or maybe you said it with a hard R, we're going to have a conversation. We're not going to enjoy that. But for the most part, we don't care. And I was like, all right, cool. Appreciate it. I mean, I'm not going to say it, but like, right, right. I, I, I appreciate that. And then, um, another guy comes in, um, and, uh, I, he's also, he is also, he's also black. He's actually also a youth minister. And I asked him the same question. And both of these guys are still sitting right here. Remember one's in high school. One is, I think he's either in college or just got out of college. And now you have another guy who is a little bit older. He's actually late twenties. And so he said, absolutely not. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear you say it. Yeah. No circumstance. No no way. Yeah. And, and, and Mm -hmm. so we got into this conversation of, I was like, okay, cool. Why? Um, and, and I don't ask this question as to why is I'm like, well, why can't I say it? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could, and I did, I mean, ask questions like, well, you say it. So what's the difference between you saying it and me saying it? Not like, well, you should, you, because you say it, I should get to say it. That's not the same. That doesn't, doesn't yeah. work that way. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, also have an understanding of how you ask questions to people, but, um, his thoughts and ideas were, were completely based off of it's ours, it's our cultures and we're tired of people stealing it. Mm-hmm. And I had never even considered that thought before. And I didn't necessarily completely agree with everything he had to say. Um, but I'm able to sit there and listen and I'm able to understand where he's coming from and say, you know what? That point makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, you know, because there is, uh, there's so much, history in our country surrounding race and when you're right. you know we're we're in the south i mean you talk about alabama we're we're in virginia we're we're Is south, virginia concerned the south we're we're south of the mason dixon line i mean the capital of the confederacy oh, okay. was was just just north of us we're south of uh oh that's south of, south i forgot of about Richmond. that yeah um so yeah it, i mean i guess we're by the coast so it's it's more cosmopolitan no but it, it's the south so well i the reason i i make that point is just because I know my wife having grown up in Central California, Central Valley, California, there's a completely different set oh, yeah. of sort of, of a racial backdrop there. But here, I think particularly, particularly because you had plantations here, you had yeah. slavery here. And when you go and you see, um, you know, when you go to Monticello where Thomas Jefferson's home in, in Charlottesville, you see where the slave quarters were. Um, and, and you see the same thing when you go to see Mount Vernon and where George Washington was and the, all these founding fathers and and you, so the history of, of this, of this, not just the country, but the area that we're from there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of emotion, but there's, there is a lot culturally, uh, just connected to race. So anything, yeah. you know, particularly you're talking about that, that word, but I think with critical, with critical race theory and, and where it intersects with Christianity is that, um, you know, I, I, let's just ask kind of the bigger question. What, what should be, <laughs> I mean, do, do Christians have a role in, in dealing with injustice in, in, in reacting to, in reacting to injustice or do we, 
kind of this idea of, of, of sitting back and just making sure we don't do anything racist. So if it's, if it's not using racist words or racist or racial slurs, right. Should we do, is, is that enough? Or for, let me just ask this. We, we, we've talked about this before too. What if you have a, a church that is a, you know, is it's a diverse church, but in the diverse church, the preacher, the eldership, the deacons, the leadership doesn't reflect the diversity of the congregation. Right. I mean, when you see that, and, and let's say you see that, if you see that played out over and over and over again in church after church after church, do you start to ask, Do you is your initial question like, oh, I wonder why there aren't more... Um, people of color in leadership is that is that just an observation or do we have any duty do do the people in positions of power for instance have any duty to take action to try to make the leadership of the church more reflective of a diverse congregation um yeah i this is where I, I think I struggle a little bit because I personally, and this, this is my personal opinion, um, I want what I want a person who's qualified, and the qualifications have nothing to do with race. I, I think a part of critical race theory is that race is not biologically real; it is a social construct. It's a, con it's a social construct, right? And right. so. Um, I can be okay with that thought. I can agree with that thought. Um, I, you know, like you said, the whole like everyone's smoking the same amount of weed. Your your race doesn't matter. Right. Um, I think that people can lead effectively. Your race doesn't matter. Um, I had a, there's a, a buddy of mine. <clears throat> but race being a, a social construct, I think, is not the same thing as this idea of oh well, we'll just be colorblind. Well, yeah, I'm not. Ra I'm not wanting to be colorblind. No, no. I, I guess my point is that if you see churches, that th this is really the question. I mean, I think we are boring down on the the issue. If you see a church and the church does not have, you know, a, a diversity in leadership that that mirrors the diversity in the congregation. Do we assume that that's because there are not individuals who have leadership qualities? Or is it worth considering whether there are systematic structures that are actually working to keep people of color out of leadership within churches? I see, I you mean, see what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, no. I, I know what you're saying. I, I think that that's a complete possibility. Um, I, I mean, I, I am a, I have, we have an elder, we have one elder at our church who is black. Um, and, uh, by the way, I use the word black. I hope that that's not offensive. I was just, I have been told recently that, um, actually, and, and this is, he, he also said that people are going to disagree with this as well. Even, even people that are minorities that, um, that black people are just as American as white people. So, like, to call them African-American doesn't even really make a whole lot of sense. Right. Um, but 
so that's that's what I'm going off of when I say that. And if you if you disagree, that's fine. Right. Just know that there's no intent behind that. That's just what I was told. Understood. So no, um, no I think that that is that is completely possible. Um, and I I I hope and I pray that that's not the case. Um, I'll be honest. I have been at this church for a year, like a little, like a year and like a three weeks now, I think. And, um, that has been 90% COVID. Um, so I couldn't even tell you if there are minorities that are even capable, like other minorities that are qualified or even capable of being leaders in this church. Now, um, I have not intentionally ignored them or ignored anyone for that matter. I just don't know. Right. Um, I, I will say though, that if I were, if I were seeking out leaders, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I would think that at least in the leadership that we have here, I would, I would be shocked if it was, if there was conscious racism in there. Yeah. And, and I think that is, that is what I think, what critical race theory, um, using that as an overarching term is actually one of the things it's saying is that racism does not come exclusively and not even primarily through conscious racism. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing we would agree on is that it is helpful for you to see someone who, who, who looks like you in, in, in positions of leadership, just to know that, Hey, okay, this is a, maybe this is a path. I think the same thing is true for women, quite frankly, like it's good to see women in positions of leadership so that young women can see that. I think it's good for young men to see women in positions of leadership so they can see women have, have skills to be leaders as well. All right. I want to get, um, I'm, I'm sure we're probably and we burned probably a pretty good amount of time here. We're almost to 40 minutes. Okay, now. good. So I, I do think we can actually tie this back to something biblical. I think the, the nature of this conversation has really exposed something, and that is that these are complicated issues. Oh, yeah. Right? These are complicated issues. Like you started mentioning sort of the, you know, our, our, your and my church, but I'm sort of talking about like across churches, and every church is, is sort of uh, unique. Um, and every workplace is unique. Yeah. But, um, but you do, you know, you have, I remember there was a study that popped up when I was in law school and, and I'll bring it back to scripture. There was a study that popped up in law school that I found I- incredibly interesting where they took these resumes and they had names that were, um, that, you know, that they thought people would identify as being black names, right? right? African-American names. And they had names that were, you know, typically white names like, Greg Smith Smith or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Okay. But they, they, they were identical resumes. And and when they sent them out, they found that the, the white names, I mean, when I say identical in terms of their, their academic backgrounds and their, their work backgrounds, but they found that the, that the, um, the African-American names that they had to send out 50% more resumes to get right. callbacks yeah. than the traditionally white sounding names did. So when you see that, I mean, is that because the people who are reviewing are consciously being racist? Uh, maybe, but maybe not necessarily. Maybe right. that's something that happens at sort of a, a different level, yeah. right? Um, 
Now, you know, like I said, these are complex issues. There's there's a there's a bunch of of uh, there there are a bunch of proverbs in the book of Proverbs. The the, the word proverb means a comparison. Yep. A proverb is a comparison of one thing to the other. And you get over and over again in the book of Proverbs this comparison between people who are simple and people who are prudent. Mm-hmm. And and wisdom, who's described as as your your sister, okay? You right. know, like let wisdom be your sister um, in the book of Proverbs, which is awesome. You have wisdom trying to help turn those who are simple into being prudent. Um, you know, the, the Proverbs 8, 5 says, you who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Um, and then Proverbs Proverbs chapter 22 and 27, it talks about the prudent, you know, the, the prudent see, da- see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Um, uh, the, the, for the, the Proverbs, the purpose of the Proverbs right from the very beginning in Proverbs one, the purpose is to receive instruction in prudent behavior by doing what is right and fair. And so I, I keep saying that word over and over again, the word prudent, we don't really use that word very much, right? It's kind of a lame word. That's weird. And the, and the word prude is even worse or yeah. lamer or prudish or, yeah. but another translation of that Hebrew word prudent is the word subtle. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I think of when I think about issues of race. And I think about, you know, sort of this, what, what critical race theory opens up is it opens up an area of subtlety where there's subtlety and there's nuance. Mm-hmm. All right. There's subtlety and there's nuance to these issues. And what, you know, Proverbs, it's not just, hey, keep reading books, keep learning more, keep getting smarter. It's, hey, don't, um, not everything is so black and white, hmm. pardon the pun. Right. Not everything is so black and white, but some things, some situations are complex and nuanced and subtle. And you need to, you know, wisdom is trying to help help you gain that sense of subtlety, that right. sense of, um, of complexity when you are weighing out and thinking through these issues. Yeah. I, um, I agree with that, you know, and, and, you know, thinking of this, I thought of Galatians six, um, says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. Uh, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And then it also says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Um, there's two pretty big things there. Um, I think that we can agree or hopefully we agree that racism in any form is a sin. Um, it is wrong. Um, it should not be done. And, um, and so one, if I catch you in that, it's my job as a Christian to have a conversation with you about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, standing by while, um, witnessing racism, um, is, would not be something, uh, you know, you know, just, just being like, well, you know, it wasn't me. Right. Yeah. 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 Like that's, um, I don't know that that lets you off the hook. I mean, let your conscience be your guide, but, to me, I, I don't know that that lets us off the hook, especially if we if we see that in our church community. So certainly, a hundred percent on board with you. Overt racism is not something 
Oh yeah, I mean, we talked about that. I think when you know our first well, uh, when we were talking about Black Lives Matter, right? And I, and I also think that um, you know I talked about earlier the idea of being like familiar or in a space like we instinctually enjoy being in a place of comfort. And you had mentioned that you know we in like like in roles of leadership, we we like seeing people that are similar to us. Yes, it's an instinctual thing, right? Yes. And so as a white person, instinctually, I'm like, oh, that's another white dude up there. Cool. Um, or, and it also shows you from an early age, oh, this is something I could aspire to because this is me. Right, exactly. So um, even if it's doing that not sort of directly, it's, it's subtly doing that. Like that's – Right. It has that – because if you, if you weren't white and you didn't see any faces that look like you – um, you, you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't be raised in that same way, right? Um, like yet again at at at, at camp, um, a friend of mine had said, you know, hey, um, I like he's a you know he was the keynote speaker at camp, and he and he was I saw him intentionally taking time to be with the other um, you know black children that were there. And I asked him straight, I was like, so do you do that intentionally or does it just kind of like just instinctually sort of naturally happen? He said, no, 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 I'm completely intentional about that yeah. because um, they don't get to see people like me regularly. They don't yeah. get to see black men in roles speaking to a majority white audience. Um, they don't get to see men like me who consistently live a Christian lifestyle. Right. Well, um, and, and also I'll just say this just to kind of place us in greater Christendom when it's not in like a majority black church congregation oh, yeah, setting. Absolutely. Because in those settings, I mean, we are in a, a setting that is a, a more diverse setting, but because it's a more diverse setting, it ends up for lack of a better term, I think defaulting to mostly white leadership. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that I think is why he's saying that because within our particular tribe, they would be less likely to see African-American person in leadership, in a preaching role. Yeah. Pre like you said, preaching, teaching to an audience that's mostly white. Yeah. Right. And so he, he was basically saying, I am intentional about having a relationship with them so that they know that I exist that people like me exist, yeah, yeah. that we're not some sort of fairy tale unicorn, that it gives them, like you said, something that like you said earlier, something to aspire to. Yes. And um, and so what what I think you're pointing out with that conversation with him, I love that because it's it's there's nuance there. There's like he's thought about that. This is not an accident. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? Like he, he's being intentional about yeah. how he does that. Um, which I I think with with all of these with all of these issues, we you've got to think about that. Like, how is this going to impact this person going forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I mean, his name's Randall. I guess I'll just go ahead and say his name. His name's Randall. Um, I would like to consider shout out him, to Randall. Shout out to Randall. I'd, I'd like to consider him a good friend of mine. But um, you know, I oh, my son told me about Randall. He's Boys to Men fan. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, and the end of the road. <laughs> There it I is. told Josh, I was like, I wish I'd have met Randall because we could have yeah, hey, really launched into some boys to men. Right. Randall's a great guy. But I think that this is going to turn into a two-parter. We're at 40. We're a little over 46 minutes, 47 minutes now. Um, but I think this episode is going to turn into a two-parter, which I think it needs to be because um, I think we kind of just like glance over the surface. Like we almost like a skipping stone kind of hit a few things, but didn't really get 
into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I oh man, I can go more. I, I got a lot of stuff here, so that's um, f- fine with me. Yeah, well, let's do it. I'm a, and we will genuinely be back soon. Um, it's not like we're gonna wait another four week, four or five weeks, or however Don't long. Don't curse it was. us. Don't curse us. I will. Okay. You know, Lord willing, you gotta I, say all that stuff. I knocked on wood um, okay. with our broken table. So, uh, <laughs> um, hey, um, any any parting words, Brad? Uh, no, I, I, I'm excited to jump into it again. I mean, just like with Black Lives Matter, I think, you know, this is a, a, a difficult topic. Um, but again, we'll, we'll talk more about sort of some of the statements that have come out from mm-hmm. Christians a, about critical race theory. Um, but also, I think what we'll do maybe next time is give folks that are listening a few resources. Yeah. So the, you should not just listen to us. You know, no, maybe absolutely that's not. bad advertising. Absolutely but not. Do not just listen to us. There are a ton of resources out there, Christian and secular, otherwise, that that deal with this topic. So next time, we promise to give you some additional resources that are things that have sort of framed our thinking on this as well. Yeah, and I'm going to give some opinions that people are going to disagree with. I can't wait. I'm excited about it. But um, hey, thank you guys so much for sticking around with us and, and so much for your feedback. Um, it's been re- like genuinely so nice to just have conversations when people are even just like, hey, I listen to your podcast. Uh, really looking forward to you coming out with a new episode. And like that like completely makes my day when yeah, I hear that. Yeah, that's great. So thank you guys so much. Um, thank you for being with us right now and uh, look forward to being with you next week. Have a blessed day.